listening to another episode of the Niagara Moon podcast. I'm Thomas Irwin, composer, producer, songwriter, arranger, releaser of albums extraordinaire. Uh, and this is where I like to talk about classic albums when I'm not making music myself. This one's a little boncos, but uh, I'm, I'm pretty fond of it. And uh, it was a great chance to sit down once again with uh, Nicholas Kurgovich over in Vancouver, Canada. Uh, he came on the show about a year ago at this point. Wowzies. Uh, and we talked the magnetic fields at that time. But uh, he's back on again with another very cool creative suggestion. Uh, Fleetwood Mac's Tusk from 1979, of course. And we're going to get into all that. Um, just want to also mention before the show starts, uh, you should check out Nicholas's own music. Some of it's more instrumental, some of it's more uh, his persona as a singer-songwriter, but it's all very, on the, it's on the more mellow side, contemplative, thoughtful, uh, just really interesting, reflective stuff. I quite like uh, the way he has with tone. Uh, and I loved our discussion for this episode. The, the one small regret I have is uh, not having gone in seeing all that amazing <laughs> footage on YouTube that is indeed there of, uh, you know, Lindsay in the studio, Lindsay at home, him working with Stevie, uh, you know, all the all them behind the sound booth trying to uh, lay it down, you know, back there in the, uh, in the late 70s. Classic, fun footage. Definitely recommend anybody to check out. And uh, I got the chance to hear a little bit of Lindsey Buckingham's new album as well uh, that Nick fervently recommends in this episode, and there, there's something to it. Gets my seal of approval. I've only heard uh, the first few songs, but I Don't Mind has been stuck in my head for a couple weeks now. All that said, let's get into talking this ridiculous double album Tusk. Here we go. So Nick, I see art imitating life here. Uh, on the cover of the album Tusk, you have the dog nipping at someone's ankles, and then we got your dog Shelly today nipping at your uh, microphone cables. Whoa. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. He's relaxed a bit now. He's staring out the window like a cat. But yep. We oh, that already sets off so many thoughts I have about the album art. Which, but anyway, let's. Yeah. As, oh, as I mean, this, this is top top to bottom. This whole thing is an enigma. Yep. But uh, thank you very much, Nick, for for coming on the podcast. It's been a uh, a gosh darn while, mm -hmm. probably about a year at this point. Yeah, my pleasure. Um, how how's uh, how's tricks over in Vancouver? Everything's fine, holding it down. Uh, yeah, like besides the unexpected poodle puppy pregnancy. Um, Nothing's that new, but things are okay. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sounds like my life. Yeah. The months just keep rolling on. Yeah. So you suggested this album, and total coincidence, I had also been thinking about it without telling you, like, oh, this seems like it'd be a particularly interesting one for the podcast to, to dig into. Tusk from 1979 yeah. and uh, by Fleetwood Mac. What uh, inspired you to suggest this? 
just everything I kind of do is fairly random and just intuitive. And it's it's just one of those records that ever since I heard it has been a go-to. And I seem to never manage to understand it or tire of it. So, And it also feels very much, considering this podcast or things like this, it's it's one of those records that has like legend and lore and people talk about it and it's it's a thing yeah so i just thought it could be a good one i totally agree are you is fleetwood back fleetwood back and fleetwood mac one of like your favorite bands of all time kind of thing like you grew up with this album near and dear to you or did you kind of come to this after you know getting into music as a thing more you know like did you come at this with with like a very naive child ear or uh like you found it later on i found it kind of later on but at the same time i still had a bit of a naive child ear so i was thinking about why i ended up listening to this to begin with and i remember do you remember this there's this late night um radio show called art bell coast to coast and it was kind of about like ghosts and paranormal activity and it was syndicated all across the u.s and canada and he often, huh? often he, of yeah, it was this thing that was on every, yeah, five, five nights a week or something from like midnight till 3 a.m. And I remember listening to it and he often used dreams as the bumper music between ads and stuff. Oh. And so I have like all these memories of being like 17, 18, 19, however old, just like woozily listening out of my clock radio and hearing these long chunks of dreams before the ads kicked in and. So then I started listening to rumors, but my ear wasn't fully into that, you know, sunny 70s rock sound yeah, in the early yeah. 2000s. Like, that's not really where... Classic. Yeah, rock. yeah, where my tastes were at the time. But Dreams always, obviously, was, like, super hypnotic and appealing to me. Yeah, just kind of randomly ended up listening to Tusk around, I would say, 2004. So I was old. I was, like, probably 22. Yeah. It, uh... It's like rumors, but it's not like rumors. It's <laughs> it really is uh, an interesting drop-off point. Like th- this, you know, this is one of those few albums that comes after a total commercial juggernaut, right? Like this is, you know, people compare it to the Beatles' White Album. It's like a band that has just accomplished every conceivable goal ever, critical and commercial just success out the wazoo, millions and millions of dollars. And yet they're still a band. They're still together. They can still work together. And this is the next thing. You know, it's, it's one of those situations that you get every once in a while. And I can definitely say I've never encountered another record that sounds like this uh, for a lot of reasons. It's just it is totally unto its own. Yeah. I think at that point when they were working on Tusk, I think I read that they had sold 10 million copies or something. And then they also read that someone that had a minor engineering credit on rumors was making 15,000 a day in royalties just at that time. You know what I mean? Jeez. So you can only imagine. Yeah. So they were in a position to do whatever they want. But the thing that's so weird about that, their Fleetwood Mac to me is just, they're such disparate, confusing like combination of personalities. That makes no this sense. This is the gossip band. Yeah. It's, it's the high school drama gossip band. Like, ooh, he was dating her, but then she left and dated him. But And then this other couple, they broke up and he got with her, but he was cheating on the blah, 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 blah. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's such a cluster. Yeah. 
It's yeah. unreal. And then I I learned recently that as they were going into recording Tusk, Stevie Nicks was secretly dating Mick Fleetwood. And then Mick Fleetwood broke up with her and started dating her best friend who he eventually <laughs> married for a time. And her name was Sarah. And then I also learned the song that, Sarah, yeah. Yeah, Sarah was also... Uh, like according to some things, like a aborted child that Stevie Nicks had after that with Don Henley, and like it's just it's bananas in there. It's Gossip Central, yeah. just Southern California seventies rock scene drama, yeah. playing That's... out in in so many different ways. Oh yeah, uh, plus cocaine, mm-hmm. much much cocaine. Uh, That's to to really kind of frame the album just that way is really not doing it justice. Much there's so much going on musically and. And like you're saying, it's it's all these people where somehow they come together and somehow it gels, but on their own. We got such different personalities and musical backgrounds. Christine McVie, Stevie Nicks, Lindsey Buckingham, Mick Fleetwood, who released, what, 10 albums or at least almost 10 before he even got with uh, Buckingham and Nicks. And it's just a very unusual situation all around for a rock band like this. Yeah, and John McVie. John McVie, the bassist who, a la uh, Tina Weymouth, plays so simple but so effective. Oh. He really is the other rock of this band, along with uh, Fleetwood. Yeah, incredible bass playing. It's almost invisible. It's so good. So do you, when you listen to Tusk, do you, track by track, are you like, okay, here's the Buckingham song, now here's the next song, now here's the McVie song. Like, d- Does it feel like three records in one to you, or how does it kind of blend together? Yeah, I feel like it's it feels very schizophrenic and eclectic, and there's a lot of variety going on, but it feels very... Uh, I feel like the atmosphere of the record is consistent. Like It does have like a consistent atmosphere, but the songwriting and who's doing whose songs whose is very, very clear, I think. Yeah. And I feel like a lot more so than rumors, even. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Especially like, I feel like it's the band is going on, and then Stevie Nicks comes in as a guest sometimes, almost like, you know, even with yeah. with rumors, you have uh, the the awesome harmony that uh, her and Buckingham do, and I don't want to know, mm-hmm. and tracks like that. Mm-hmm. But here, it's like it feels. That was one of the things that kind of stuck out to me is it feels like she has nothing to do with the band for certain songs. And then, you know, all she is is a vocalist, so then she'll just come in to do her song. Yeah. Um, but otherwise, you might just catch her on a backing track and that's it. Yeah, I remember when I pitched this record to talk about for the thingy, you said, oh, I just listened to it, but I skipped all the Stevie Nicks songs and already I had this record <laughs> yeah. scratch moment. Where I was like, no. <laughs> okay, yeah, so I get, that's maybe that's the first point of uh, entry for us. Yeah, I... Uh, Stevie Nicks, Rhiannon and Dreams are among the best Fleetwood Mac songs. Mm -hmm. Like, totally get why those are Stone Cold classics, brilliantly written and performed. She does have a very interesting singing voice. She has this kind of mystique about her. I I feel like she really didn't bring it for this album. Even songs like Sarah. Whoa. (laughs) It feels slight to me. Uh, But I fully accept that. That's personal taste. Sarah is one of the most beloved songs from this album. Yeah. The only one of hers that, that m- kind of more clicked for me was "A Beautiful Child." Right. But uh, yeah, I'm 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 Team Buckingham all the way. Right. A little a little of this is also spurred on by 
her kicking him out of the band three years ago. Right. What was that about? All right, I'll let you take it from here, but I, I still can't get over that. Yeah, I don't feel like you can trust any of them as, you know what I mean? Like, I don't think... <laughs> There's I no reliable narrator. No, absolutely not. I don't think there ever has been or will be, which I also like. And yeah, um, so I don't know. I don't know why that happened or how that happened or... But, I mean, members in Fleetwood Mac have, like, sat sat things out and come back, and it's always been kind of malleable and, and shape-shifting. But, yeah, Buckingham being replaced by the guy from Crowded House or whatever, and that seems so <laughs> random. But, uh, yeah. But I, I think because I, at the time when I got into Tusk, I went in just kind of really into just obsessed with dreams, and so I really gravitated towards the Stevie Nicks songs. And I I love how I feel like her character on this record is like kind of just busted and very introspective and like reflective. She's very and, hoarse. Yeah. And some just, songs. Yeah. yeah. It feels like superhuman. Like if she seems like if she's bringing a very like human. I don't know. It seems just like vulnerability. Pretty, that was the word I was just about to spit out, you know, and. Yeah. And I feel like that really adds to everything, considering how kind of like brittle and um, cuckoo like the Lindsey Buckingham songs can be. And yeah, you know, like I, I do feel like it grounds things in a way. So I agree. I certainly agree that you need something to ground the Buckingham kookiness. Yeah. Uh, I mean, obviously, for me, I'm a you know, I have weird taste. That's by yeah. far and away my favorite component yeah. of this album. Oh yeah, and really, he's he's holding this one down. Um, but you know, you already got Christine McVie that's providing that perfect uh, counterpoint. I love her songs on this record too. She's so they come in at the right perfect moments, don't they? To like bring things back down a little bit, Mm -hmm. especially how the record starts with over and over this like very languid, stately, patient thing. And you're just like, what's going to happen? And then it happens That's, by track two. <laughs> yeah, it's a perfect one-two punch. Yeah, like just soothing, hi-fi, relaxing, really simplistic, mm-hmm. and but effectively so. Like a lot of her songwriting is just so. It's like sparse in the right way. She really doesn't complicate things too much, particularly with the songs on this album. I feel like, but it just it lets the whole band breathe. And then yeah, you got uh, coked out Buckingham like in a push-up position, singing into the mic with his guitar tuned down three steps or whatever, manic craziness. And it's, uh, yeah, that, that contrast is, is really the character of Tusk. Yeah. Schizophrenic. Um, All these kind of anecdotes about Tusk are things I just picked up in the last day because I was like, I, I just listen to it all the time, but I'm not necessarily one of those people that, uh, hits wikipedia reads lots of art you know like reads about all this yeah, stuff yeah but the yeah the tidbits i've heard picked up in the last day or whatever fascinating like the push-up thing is ridiculous <laughs> and that he built a replica of his uh 1920s bathroom in the studio so they could use that as a reverb chamber and i didn't even know about all the like <laughs> tribal art and tusks that adorned the mixing board and the way they like lobster dinners every night and constant champagne like eating a lobster dinner ordered into a (laughs) studio seems disgusting uh that's the all right that's another thing so we're talking about contrasts uh 
like Christine McVie's just blissed out, calm, you know, melancholic at times, just peaceful songs. And then Buckingham playing at 120 miles per hour. Uh, it's, they're the ultimate like bourgeois bands. Like we said, they're selling millions and millions of copies, bajillions of dollars at the height of the record industry as a financial model. And uh, they just like, they totally have their way. Um, like this is the band I picture you play on your yacht while you're drinking white wine. And uh, more, more so the tracks on Rumors though. Because mm. Tusk is like, it takes that energy and that background of the band. But then... You know, Lindsey Buckingham is trying to kind of usurp things and be like, well, I want to make a post-punk record. I want to be edgy. I want to, you know, emulate talking heads and kind of get with the times. And so it's it's extremely expensive, hi-fi, polished punk, which is very weird. Totally. And that, that's why I've never heard anything else like it. Yeah. Because nobody else really tried to do that. Yeah. And he was purposely trying to make it sound kind of dull and bad a lot of the time. And it sounds awesome. Yeah. But at the time, like, no one had any sort of ear for that kind of production, really. Because especially, yeah. like, he might be trying to pull in influences from, like, The Clash and Talking Heads or whatever, but they're such, Fleetwood Mac are such more of, like, an elegant band, you know, and, like, their talents are completely different than yeah the things he was referencing. So it's still, that's what also was interesting is he was bringing in all those influences and references, but it's still completely unmistakably sounds like Fleetwood Mac at all times, you know? So yeah. It's like a crazy synthesis of intent and what's already going on, yeah. Totally, yeah. It's it's. I guess if you look at the time it came out, it's perfectly sitting between that era where really, you know, expensive, uh, lavishly produced, like, hi-fi radio pop was... And even like disco that, that was dying out to like edge your, you know, punk rock. If mm. you're talking about the uh, the rock genre, at least, and they're kind of sitting on both sides of that or trying to. Yeah, especially when I was thinking like one of Lindsey Buckingham's more, uh, like classically Buckingham sounding songs on it. Save me a place is such a yep. weird recording. You know what I mean? And that <laughs> that song, if they ran it through the production style of Rumors, would like. I don't know. You listen to what exists on Tusk and it's like, I think they were doing lots of stuff with slowing and speeding up the tape or something. And so a lot yeah. of the parts are like out of time and like the vocals. I don't, I don't know. It just sounds just so bizarre. It's, it's very, it's very treated, mm-hmm. but so beautiful. It's crazy. Like, a, yeah, I don't know. Well, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and say, I think Mick Fleetwood is, probably one of my favorite rock drummers and I think his sense of rhythm it's so rigid and so stiff but in like a beautifully executed way if that makes sense mm-hmm. like you said elegant it's very he it's always sounds proper mm-hmm. but it's it gives this like psychedelic rockabilly feel yeah. on a lot of these songs I don't yeah. I don't think you get anywhere else I think that's a big part of what makes this uh album sound like nothing else from this era or any other yeah i i love his drumming also but i also read that lindsey buckingham played a lot of the drums himself that blew my mind yeah yeah but i don't think i don't think it, like 
well, as we were saying earlier, like Kleenex like, boxes and oh yeah, that yeah, but also just like I don't know who to believe even when it comes to something <laughs> like that could be very like fact fact checked. You know what I mean? Like I don't know who's doing what. I think that's a healthy perspective to keep, yeah. <laughs> as I found doing this podcast over and over. What, what, what happened with the record? You know, yeah. nothing's filmed really the way it is with, yeah. with shooting movies. Yeah, although there is clips of them working on this in the studio on YouTube and stuff, especially them recording Angel and working on harmonies and stuff like that. There's some, yeah, there's some, there's some stuff floating around. Okay. Yeah, worth checking out. That's good to know, yeah. Especially when you're mentioning how you thought Sarah was a bit of a slight song songwriting style. There's a 11-minute version on YouTube, like a demo Ooh, that she cut. That's, I love it. Oof. Yeah, listen to oh. it yesterday. It, that's that's a thing. It's like I'm not. It's stupid to say it's bad, but yeah. it is. She doesn't really leave you. She. It's either you're totally with her and just buy into all everything about her and her mystique, or you don't. It's it's one way or the other with her. I feel like you right. either get it or you don't. It's yeah. like fish. I was I was talking about the band Fish oh, really? a few weeks back, and it's like I'm just fundamentally not going to click with this, but I can't. I just can't lock into it enough to comment either way. It's it just it. And I, I again, I I really I can the way dreams lands and the way Rhiannon lands. I just I can't help but wonder if she just didn't for whatever reason didn't have it in her to, to like keep the songs up to that level. I don't know if the drug use had gotten out of hand too much yet or whatever, but it it feels too much like she's relying on the other members of the band and like other components going on to like fill in the blanks of the song rather than yeah. like <clears throat> got a nice tight composition the way I, I feel like Christine McVie could, but whatever. I, it's going to be boring if I just keep bashing on <laughs> next to it. I also just wonder about like on a just artistic and like I don't know if I'd say spiritual, but just like human level, they all had to kind of contend with what they had just done with rumors. Yeah. On an ego level. I'm sure, they were all in the stratosphere. Yeah. And so, like, what songs do you write to, you know what I mean? Like, everyone probably is going to go down that road in a different way. And I think maybe Stevie Nicks was maybe more fragile than Lindsey Buckingham or Christine McVie. And so, I don't think it's a matter of, uh, I don't know. There's probably just a, like a lot going on in her brain world on top of whatever yes. drugs or whatever. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like a lot of other aspects of the band, I'm sure it's complicated. Yeah, and I'm sure like if I'm sure Lindsey Buckingham was just full of little sideways comments and stuff that probably really affected her process throughout this record. So I, I think considering all those sorts of things, the fact that she did come up with. Uh, Sarah and Storms and Angel and you know what I mean. I don't know. I yeah. I think it's. I think those songs are pretty special, personally. But it's also a matter of taste. I'm. I like Stevie Nicks, but also unlike what you were saying, I'm not. I. I'm not like ride or die Stevie. Like she's made some things that are definitely not for me. But when she hits on a thing, she's like a. She is a witch. She. Casts legit spells. She <laughs> conjures. She, she hypnotizes. She conjures. You. Ma- yeah, she's magical. I saw Fleetwood Mac when they played here in maybe twenty late two thousands or something. And at the end of the night, this show was in Vancouver. She was like, "We love you, Toronto," and her voice echoed out, you know, the wrong city. And there was like this weird, awkward hush. And <laughs> people were complaining about it on the way out, and I was stopping all these people, being like, "Who cares if she doesn't know where she is? Did you see what she was doing up there?" This was. 
You know what I mean? Yeah. She was casting spells left and right. Who does that? Who cares if, you know, <laughs> these, yeah. So I guess, yeah, I, I really I stick up for Stevie. All right. I, I can, I can, I can get that. Yeah. I, and like I said, I, by the time you get the beautiful child, mm. it clicks with me what she's trying to do. Right. But yeah. it's just, I, you know, I, I got a, what I, part of what I like to do to prep for these things is sometimes read Reddit comments because mm. why not? Mm-hmm. And uh, somebody pointed out the same thing I was kind of thinking, which is it's it's a little bit of a Roger Waters situation with uh, Buckingham kind of taking over the band for his own purposes, like uh, with Waters in the final cut. It's like you look at how many songs on this album are Buckingham songs. He's has twice as many as Stevie Nicks. Yep. And he, re- he really got to set the creative direction and tone with a lot of this even though he's just one of five members. So, uh, you know, you're, you're probably, I don't, you might be right about the sideways comments and, you know, I'm sure, I'm sure she got pressure from him and that didn't help and all the rest of it. Yeah. But I, but again, but, but the other side of that is Buckingham is really what sells this album for me and, and keeps it so interesting and has all that replay value. Oh yeah. Um, another Reddit comment was like, it alternates between Buckingham doing his, you know, his crazed rockabilly thing. And then very calming songs that are like keeping a window open on a stormy summer night. Mm. And I think that's the perfect analogy for the uh, McVie and Nick's tracks. Oh my God. Yeah. Dang. What an image. (laughs) I don't know. Yeah. I think, uh, I love the Buckingham songs obviously. And, but I also find him to be such like this narky, unlikable <laughs> figure too like and yeah I, yeah which i love about it too because he's you know i if he never smiles in press photos <laughs> he's so he's such a dork like i don't understand the appeal <laughs> as, of him as like a rock character but none of them yeah. rock star yeah, yeah. I, he's he's too something else he's very unique i uh to me interesting person because like even when he talked in between songs at the concert it just felt like i was listening to like a school principal like give the announcements (laughs) over the pa or something like that like there's just something kind of (laughs) like about him and then i even when i was doing my little research yesterday an engine the engineer that worked on it it's just like Lindsay would come into the studio and just like the fun would end and then Ah. or something like that like the fun he sucked all the fun out of the process and then the interviewer talked to him about that quote. He's like, that could be true, but my, maybe my idea of fun is different than their, you know what I mean? Like, and he was very kind of like mm-hmm. self-aware and had a very, so like, yeah, I feel like he's, he's a complicated person for clearly. But yeah. I think the word we're going to keep coming back to is complicated. Yeah. It's okay. even describing the tone of this album. Like I, you know, I recited that Reddit comment, but it's a very complicated set of emotions and moods and, you know they're they're not using any words in the lyrics that are that complex or abstract, but like the you know the the theme song to song is sometimes pretty. It's, it's odd juxtapositions going on. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I love the ledge. Oh my god, yeah. <laughs> I mean, just starting starting from there. But all right, I I'll, I'll go ahead and say I think my favorite moment in all the album is uh, it's it's one of the best. Uh, Examples of someone singing "Yeah" in a rock song is is uh, that's enough for me. Oh, good, yeah. 
I love that one. Yeah. Completely yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Just he's so ecstatic. Yeah. That's that's got to be the highlight for me. Yeah. It's yeah, the, he commits so hard to everything he's doing, but also he seems to be like one of those people that's never had like f- a day of fun in their life or something. <laughs> You know what I mean? So that's yeah. what is also so yeah. confusing about those songs because they're so exuberant and like committed and, but like, whoa, I don't know. He's, he's the best. <laughs> no, I'm not wrong. It's, yeah. I can't help, but, and again, this is the gossip band. This is the, it's complicated relationship status on Facebook band. Yeah. I can't help that every time he's singing, he's singing about being wronged by Stevie Nicks. That's right. just where my, you know, it's, it's all this, uh, Having difficulty in a relationship kind of songs, yeah. especially on this album with him. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like Stevie Nicks puts on the other shoe. Like, she's the kind of, you know, more vulnerable, like, ugh. <laughs> she's not vengeful no. as much. No. In the songs, at least. Yeah. And then Christine McVie's kind of split in the difference. Even, like, track three, I Don't Hold You Down, Maybe That's Why You're Around. You know, like, I don't know. Yep. That's that says a lot right there in a very like concise way, you know. Yeah, she she feels like the calm mediator just Definitely. out of the three. Yeah, yeah. So you so your favorite moment, Bucking? I don't know. I don't know. Remember last time I was talking? I'm trying to like. I know you don't well, like the word I, favorite. I, I, crip, I stole that concept from Stephen Merritt, and I'm just been trying to like utilize it to see what if any, yeah, if yeah. it does any good. Because clearly I have some you know preferences on. Yeah, yeah. I, it, that's what it's going to be. There's 20 songs here. I think mm. we're going to have preferences rather than yeah, yeah, absolute. Like I, it has to be this song. Yeah, I really love uh, on the Lindsey Buckingham songs. Uh, Walk a thin line is a huge one for me. The drums, yeah, on those, that. Those drums. That's so experimental. Mm-hmm. What those because it's two different drum tracks that are playing. They're both in rhythm, like they're weird snare rolls, but they're like out of sync with each other. So yeah. it's like listening to the song like fall down the stairs or yeah. something but it's still yeah it stays together so well if there's any epileptics out there don't maybe skip that one <laughs> yeah but skip yeah walk a thin line yeah i love that i love that and uh i think one of my most preferred too is uh on the christine McVie tip is honey high i think is so beautiful the especially mm. the the vocal harmony arrangements because that song yeah, isn't really saying much, but as far as I can tell, it's just like a pretty simple love song. I don't know why she throws yeah. in daddy at the end, but... She loves singing the word daddy. <laughs> oh, sugar daddy. daddy right. And then sugar daddy. Yeah. She's got a thing with I, that, yeah. I like it. <laughs> Good theme. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and say I don't... You know, it's a double album, 20 songs. The expectation is that certain moments are going to feel like filler. Even you know the Beatles had some a little bit of garbage in uh, in White Album. Uh, I know you still have yet to ever hear the Beatles. It's just true. a whole other conversation. But yeah. uh, it's I don't I accept that I just have trouble buying into the whole Stevie Nicks vibe. But I don't even considering that I don't think there's any songs here that are like oh they really should have left this one out. Mm. I think that's pretty remarkable. Yep. I don't know if you have that feeling though. Yeah, I like to accept it as like a complete piece and yeah. I yeah. mean, I will admit that when I got into it in 2004 or whatever, I routinely skipped Sisters of the Moon and Tusk. Mm. Um but now 
I just I let it ride for sure. You skip one of your beloved Stevie Nicks songs. No, but that's the one th- that happens to be my least favorite on of her yeah, <laughs> collection that, here. That but. one's pretty rough. Although when I saw them play it live, I really enjoyed it. So, and also I like that this uh, the record is relatively like devoid of like flashy rocky uh, guitar yeah. solos, and there's like your that classic you know shreddy solo near the end, which is it's just funny to me that they. It feels like a like a leftover from rumors a little mm-hmm. bit, like you know it would it would be part of the chain or something. Yeah, uh, which makes sense because it. Again, she's not sitting down and writing songs. She's letting the band jam, and she kind of just – like the song uh, Sisters of the Moon came from a jam. That's what I was reading up on. And then she just kind of sang along to. Tusk was a like a riff that yeah. Lindsey Buckingham would play at sound checks or something like that. So, yeah. And, yeah, and then they expanded that into a that's, – that's a perfect thesis statement for the album, that title t- track, Tusk, because it's like – why is it called Tusk? Mm. What, what are you saying? And then why do you have a marching band? It's it's cool and weird, and you know it has the pitch shifting and it's got all these you know unique things that we see prop up on the blah, 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 pop up on the rest of the album. But you know there is a little bit of a question mark there. Yeah. Do, do you have an, what, what? Why do you think it's called? What is Tusk? What is the significance of that word for this album? Well, one of uh, the one of the main rumors about it is that it was like. Had to do with like Mick Fleetwood's penis, and that was one of what he referred to it as, or something like that. And he's always had this kind of my like, tusk, yeah. <laughs> so, oh. and yeah, and Stevie Nicks hated the t- that as the title of the record. Yeah, I'm kind of with her on that one, yeah. <laughs> a little bit. I don't know. It, it's I feel like yeah, and that brings us to the art too. Like I don't, I haven't quite figured out how. Yeah, how that all fits together. Like the art has always kind of confused me too, but it's perfect. The font, it, the font feels dated, doesn't it? Like old instructional VHS tape. Kinda, yeah. I, it it all seems kind of. It seems. I don't. I think I'm really bad about talking about visual stuff even more than musical stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, to me, it seems a little ahead of its time. Like visually, the cover, t- like. Mm. I don't. It's use of space. Yeah, negative space. It seems kind of. It looks like a like mid '80s college rock album yeah. to me a little bit. Like yeah, I don't know the replacements very well or something, but I feel like it could be like that or something. A C- couple steps away from being an REM cover. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah that's that's yeah, that's what it reads to me. Uh. But I think it was probably on purpose because, like Fleetwood Mac, the self-titled one, and then Rumors are so visually similar, and obviously have like a really strong aesthetic. And so Tusk looks nothing like that at all, you know. So it was Lindsey Buckingham, even as far as like chopping his hair off and wearing suits and eyeliner, and he was clearly trying to visually be like, "We're on a different trip now, everybody." This is different, yeah. yeah. But in a way that because of the how interesting everything is and how you know committed he was to everything it's not it doesn't feel self-sabotage or indulgent it's just it's an artistic statement yeah but it's coming from someone largely one he got to make (laughs) which i love how everyone else had to kind of sit on the bench and just do (laughs) follow along but i did hear that 
Christine McVie regulated quite a bit. Like she was the kind of like yeah. the queen in the studio. If she'd had enough of something, she'd be like enough. And then they'd move on, which I also think is great. <clears throat> and I'll, I'll tell you what, she absolutely, in my opinion, saves the next album Mirage. Mm. Like she is, she is holding that one together. <laughs> yeah. I like that one too. So she's, she's really the glue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that it's like uh, you know, there's some pretty good songs on Mirage, but that is like that's closer to what you'd expect to come out after Rumors. Yep, it's it's very glossy, and some songs are kind of cheesy, and it's just very like friendly, ready to be just widely accepted, kind of simple pop. But they they got to throw a wrench in the works right before that with this this weird double album. Yeah, yeah. This this there's there's a lot of depth here. I. I, I, I'm increasingly getting the feeling we're really not going to be able to cover it all, but, uh, that's the thing I'm feeling a little speechless, but, and I feel like I haven't really even said anything about anything, but it's hard <laughs> to, cause it's like, uh, who, what is this thing? You know? And I've listened to yeah. it a lot over two, almost two decades. And, uh, I but I just find it endlessly listenable, and I I know this is part of like picking favorites or whatever, but it could be like one of those desert island discs for me, just because yeah, I yeah I've heard other people say that because it's just full of it's just so enjoyable and so befuddling and and that's kind of what I like about music. <laughs> yeah, it's because again, like I said, you know, rumors. Great record. One of the biggest selling albums yeah. of all time. Very, very lot of great songs on that. Um, if if I sound any amount of tepid, it's just because like you know, the, in my mind, they are that bourgeois white wine sipping kind of. Yeah. You know, they they they're the band that plays it safe. Yeah. Except in this album, they're not, which is what makes it really interesting. Yeah. Um, they were in a really unique position. Yeah, words words escape me. There's just there's too many songs. There's too many highlights. Um, Never make me cry. I think is divine. Mm-hmm. Uh, second half of the album, mm-hmm. kind of calming the storm. There there is a there is a pretty chill pocket on the second second half that I yeah. I really enjoy that run of songs. Jeez Louise, like I think it's like brown eyes and honey high and yeah like yeah and then the softer beautiful child fucking, yeah it's like what the heck. What an album. Uh, Have you listened to any of Lindsey Buckingham's solo records? I know nothing except the song Trouble. Okay. Yeah. Um, Does he have anything that you think uh, stands up to like the, you know, the golden age of Fleetwood Mac? Like does he? Well, I actually haven't really listened to them, but I know Trouble and Law and Order, that record, and I really enjoy it. And then I also just this week got into his, new one his self-titled one. Oh, and i love it and i highly really? recommend checking it out okay yeah. it's so yeah he's playing and playing everything producing everything i think he recorded it in 2018 he's a guy who can do that yeah okay did, he did it in 2018 before like uh then i think i think he had open heart surgery oh uh, yeah and then got kicked out that. of the band and i think is got divorced like you know <sighs> He's been what a year. Yeah. So oh. his voice has changed a lot, right? It sounds great on this record. And he does all those very strange 
uh, stack vocals. <laughs> Does he do that sort of stuff? Yeah, and lots of really high, those like high pitch shifted things too that are so interesting okay. sounding. I don't know how he does that stuff, but the songs, I really enjoy them. And they're, it's a very, it's like 35 minutes or something. It's very concise. All right, nice and tight. And yeah, there's one song with like the psycho like 90s Trent Reznor drum programming that I'm like. Could see that, yeah. Yeah, and, but it doesn't sound corny to me and the song itself is I think quite beautiful. I don't know. I, yeah, and apparently he has a he has a song a record from the early '90s that people go cuckoo over too. So I'm gonna hit mm. that one next. I forget what it's called, but there's yeah, I'm, I'm sure there's lots of stuff there. I, f- I feel like during the period he was in the band, he kind of came off like the de facto band leader, and particularly with this album, it's clear he's kind of you know trying to make it his own. I really wonder how much would be left over for a solo album, like, mm. you know, how, how different it's going to be than just a Buckingham written Fleetwood Mac song. Right. But, uh, um, yeah, you've, uh, you've piqued my interest now. Yeah. It's, it's hard to beat, uh, Mick Fleetwood as your drummer though. <laughs> I know. You'd miss that. Yeah. Yeah. He plays on trouble. Um, mm. but yeah, no, the, and the beats that he's programmed with the exception of that kooky drum and bass one is, uh, there, it just sounds like canned Mick Fleetwood but in a cool way. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Those are my favorite rhythms in pop music, honestly. Oh, I said favorite. Just like, like, that's what I like to hear. Yeah. <laughs> Mid-tempo. Yeah. It's, he's, he gets extreme. It's again, it's like the beats can be very rigid and repetitive, but he just, he plays around it. at Just this like really loose rockabilly energy. Yeah. Again, when I just, another component of this album that I really, I don't, get that feeling with anything else I've ever heard. Yeah. And and I also love that it's such a incredible record that wasn't it's like it didn't sound like they had any fun making it or whatever and it feels like it was like hard to make. But yeah. That that energy doesn't enter into it or that I can hear anyway. And it also no, and I'm, I also like that it was he was clearly like shooting for something with like a ferocity that is different than like maybe like Michael Jackson making Thriller or something like someone that just really like he was not chasing commercial success at that point because it was already no. just sitting there. So they already, they already done it. Where do you go from there? Yeah, yeah like and especially yeah, selling ten million records and then having a flop that sold four million records. It's just like such an interesting. Oh, they should be embarrassed. Only four million copies, yeah. physical copies sold. What a failure. I know. And <laughs> partially I think that's because it was a double record and was super expensive for the public to buy. And it was super weird. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, unexpected. yeah. And I also, I heard that the label played the whole record on the radio and didn't really clock that people had cassette players and or like yeah, yeah, everybody was making dubbed copies and stuff. So, yeah, that that's what uh, Buckingham mm-hmm. uh, surmised that yeah. you know that might have been the reason it didn't sell better is people were able to to pirate yeah. it. Who knows? But I just like I and literally. He, <laughs> and he he certainly got used to that more and more over the totally. decades. <laughs> that I used to tape like the top, like Casey's Weekly Top Forty or whatever Casey Kasem things in the nineties. Yeah. Um, I but like I said, I don't believe a single thing. Or like it's hard to believe anything that comes out of any of their mouths when they're talking about mm-hmm. anything. <laughs> so, which I like. I yeah. love that so much because I don't even think it's on purpose. It's just, it's just right. It's just the the chemistry of the yeah, band mis- mysteries. How do we wrap now this, this up? This was uh, 
<laughs> yeah. Let's uh, give me give me three words that you'd use to describe Tusk. Oh. Um, I'm gonna say contradictory, v- vibey, <laughs> and yeah. I'm gonna say human. <laughs> All right. I was I, I was gonna say contrasts. I, I guess I'll still yeah, say that. Say it twice. I, one for each record. Yeah. Yep. And then excess mm. and polish. Mm. Interesting. I don't think I've heard a more four-dimensional, clear, just coming at me through the speakers drum sound mm. than I've heard on Tusk. Yeah. I, it's just as hi-fi as it gets. Yeah. When I first started, without being sterile. Oh yeah. When I first started listening to it, I didn't quite understand production or anything. Like I didn't listen for it. I always just kind of took things at face value. Yeah. That was just where my ears were right. at. And so it's a normal way to listen to yeah. music. Yeah. Yeah. So as the years have gone on and I've listened more and more, it's yeah, it just becomes more and more rich in that way and kind of just um yeah, impressive. But also I guess uh I just I'm just rehashing all these things I just read, but like uh, Lindsey Buckingham was clearly influenced by Beach Boys and somehow got his hands on the tapes to smile or something. I saw yeah. That. yeah. So that makes a lot of sense too, as far as what some of the sounds he was chasing and techniques and stuff. So, yeah. Yeah. Both, both artists who got a little, got a little wild in the studio. Yeah. Yep. Got a little ambitious with the renovation projects. <laughs> yeah. So he, he follows a noble lineage. Yeah. I wish, I wonder if there's pictures of the bathroom that they built. For the studio, <laughs> I want to picture him singing while doing push-ups. Yeah. <laughs> Not that funny, there's a, is there's it? There's a short clip on YouTube of him doing push-ups, singing into the mic on the floor, and it sounds like he's doing the backup vocals oh, for uh, "Save Me a Place." I think, yeah, it's like a, it's like a. Fi- I gotta look all it's, this it's up a now. Five-second clip. They documented it. Yeah, it's it definitely it's a thing. It's there. <laughs> I'll send it to you. <laughs> wow. Cool. All right, Nick, thank you for suggesting this yeah, one, uh, bringing it today for the podcast. This is a very, very cool talk. And uh, if people want to check out what you're doing, what would you, uh, what would you like to mention? Uh, if, just if you want to hear stuff, you can go to nicholaskurgovich.bandcamp.com. And then uh, I dabble on Instagram, Nicholas underscore Kurgovich on Instagram. So, yeah. That's that. Cool. Any uh, any new music coming out soon? Uh, Shabison, Kurgovich, and Harris. This project I have with my friends. We're going to start recording next week in Toronto, so that'll come out next year, hypothetically. Awesome. Yeah. Other than that, I've just been like playing with the poodle puppy and not have, <laughs> not doing anything musical at all. So, yeah. Yeah, taking it easy. Yeah. Awesome. Well, may the sun continue to shine in Vancouver at least for a little while longer and uh, yeah thank you pleasure is all mine okay until next time well that was a great time Uh, if you really resent me for not being so in love with Stevie Nicks well I got my opinions and you got yours and uh I uh, I hope you enjoyed that whole thing. I really appreciate you listening. If you want to leave a rating or a review, that is just the best thing ever. And uh, I really look forward to seeing you again in two weeks when uh, we talk about Elliot Smith's Either Or. So until then, ta-ta.